Greetings, and welcome to the Lamarck Leadership Series podcast. In this week's episode, Fahim sits down with Jenna, the co-owner of Freefly Apparel, Jill, the chief operating officer at Legacy Box, and Tamara, the VP of Global Marketing at Sol de Janeiro, to discuss how they're managing growth in a time of crisis. Cool. Awesome. Uh, very excited for this. This is uh, I've been I've been looking forward to this conversation for for a while, and and I'm 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 so grateful for the three of you for just taking the time and joining. Um, what I'd love to do is set the agenda and kind of plan for for uh, uh, for for the conversation, and then we'll dive into quick introductions, and then uh, I'll ask all the hard questions um, that I need to, so that we can all learn learn from each other. Um, so today, really, the topic that we're going to focus on is managing growth in a crisis. Um, COVID is a lifetime event um, that, that we're all kind of wrestling with and dealing with. And today we have uh, three phenomenal leaders from three different brands um, that are um, very much not only performing at a high level for, for themselves and, and, their, um, and their team, but also for their, for their customers and, and building a wonderful business. Um, I have uh, Jill McKay from uh, Legacy Box. She's the chief operating officer. Um, I have uh, Tam from Sol de Janeiro. She's the VP of Global Marketing. Uh, and I have Jenna from Freefly Apparel. She's the co-owner and runs uh, everything from marketing to ops. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to have uh, all three of you. Jenna, I'd love to start with you with a, with a quick uh, introduction on, on you, uh, your background in Freefly. We'll then go to Tam and then Jill, and then we'll dive into to the agenda. Yeah, sure. So um, in terms of Freefly, um, for those of you that don't know, we're a family-owned business. Uh, we specialize in outdoor apparel for men and women, um, and really our focus is sustainable materials. So um, it's all about simple, great fitting styles um, with performance benefits through the material. So looking at sun protection, moisture wicking capabilities, and really the idea is to keep people super comfortable and cool when they're outdoors or on the water doing the things that they love. Awesome. Um, so my background, I um, have been, Freefly is roughly nine years old. Um, so uh, we are based in Charleston, South Carolina, um, and this has definitely been a, a labor of love. Uh, before then, I was at the Nike headquarters out in Portland, Oregon for about eight years. Um, and most of my time there was in e-commerce and um, product creation, product marketing. Awesome. Thank you, Jenna. Tam. Hey. So I'm at Sol de Janeiro. Uh, it's a body care brand um, founded in Brazil, now in New York City, but really still inspired by the joy and expressiveness of Brazilian culture. Um, my background, I was at Tata Harper Skincare, which is um, a small indie skincare brand growing rapidly for a few years, running their e-commerce marketing. And before that, I was at Seventh Generation for four years, running their integrated marketing. So kind of a CPG beauty background, taking it to, to the next level with, with Sol de Janeiro. Awesome, thank you. Jill. Yeah, hey everyone. Um, so I'm Jill and I work at Legacy Box. For those of you guys that don't know, um, Legacy Box is a way for you to digitally preserve your past. So we take all of those old aging formats like home movies, film reels, camcorder tape, slides, anything that you or maybe your parents have tucked away in their attic or closet, just collecting dust, and we convert it into DVD or digital so that you can enjoy it for years to come. Um, and we are the largest digitizer of home movies, and to date we've served 
almost a million customers, which is really crazy, but humbling for me. Um, my personal background, I actually started at an ad agency as a designer, really love design thinking and um, getting in the mindset of our customers and then decided to pivot, go get my MBA and then made the transition more into like the marketing creative space. So now, as Vicki mentioned, I'm the chief operating officer over here at Legacy Box. I oversee our marketing, design, development, customer service, and our human resources departments. That's amazing. Um, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, really, what, uh, what we were going to try to capture today is, you know, what was going through your mind when COVID hit? We're going to dive into what's top of mind now that we're two and a half months or so into this thing. Um, and then transition more into the future of retail, future of e-commerce. Um, you're welcome to focus on the category uh, that you're operating in or just broadly speaking, what your, what your POV is. Um, I'm also just very, very curious to learn from you today on how you are forecasting the business, uh, given the dynamic nature of, of COVID um, and also just managing a remote team. And I know that each of you are, are uh, supreme leaders, but how are you bringing that same level of energy um, internally to your, to your company and to your, to your teams. Um, so let's get started. Um, Jill, I, first question is really when COVID hit, like what was going through your mind and, and, and how did you immediately react to the, to the reality that we were all facing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think for us, we really pride ourselves on being dynamic. Um, and so we really didn't know what to expect when the pandemic first broke out. So we were living and breathing Google Analytics. We were consuming as much media as possible to try to get a grasp on how this was going to affect us personally, but also as a business. Um, and so one of the things that our leadership team did early on was we implemented a daily standup. So every single morning for 15 minutes, we were touching base. We were sharing the sales headlines that we were seeing. We were sharing how many of our workforce was out. Um, we ended up offering flexible leave. So those that didn't feel comfortable coming into our production facility where we digitize all of the aging media, um, were allowed to take time off for at no penalty. Um, so we were sharing employee headlines and then, you know, cash flow. Cash is obviously really important. And so our CFO was sharing kind of financially how things were looking. Um, but I mean, it was, it was scary those first couple of days, especially I think most people find the unknown a little bit terrifying. Um, I'm personally type A, so <laughs> that didn't drive super well with my personality type, but I think ultimately we just ended up taking it day by day and making the best decision that we could for tomorrow. Um, we essentially threw out our traditional project management systems. We typically plan in two week sprints. That was gone and we were just, you know, each day waking up and saying, if I only have today left, what should I be working on? And we were going department by department. Um, wow. And that was really how we were dictating what we were focusing on until we had a better idea of the trends and the actual impact that this truly was going to have on Legacy Box. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Tam, what, what about you when, when, when it hit? What was going through your mind? Uh, so I think similar to Jill, um, maybe a few, few weeks in, really started doing those daily check-ins, looking at the news, looking at, you know, kind of the Goldman Sachs, McKinsey reports on how the economy was looking. Um, I think within the first week, though, so for us, like that, that first, like, few weeks of March, when in New York, it wasn't sure, like, is New York shutting down? So we actually launched a fragrance, and a bunch of us were in LA, <laughs> and so ready for this, this event to happen. Um, and within a few days, we went from being like, let's see how it, it um, 
we'll, we'll do. Let's see if we keep this event to just everyone on a plane now, let's get home. You know, we don't, we're not really sure what's going to, to go on. So I think there was a little bit of like the long-term, like what's happening. But then for us, because we were literally in the middle of launching a product, there was a very immediate need to make some decisions around that as well. Um, so, you know, we, we ended up canceling our event, moving everything to digital, pulling all of our out of home spend. Um, we had JetBlue seat back buys for that campaign, for that launch. So pulled all of those, um, you know, really very quickly pivoted. Um, and I would say like within the first few days had just like stopped all spend except digital very, very quickly before we even knew what was going to go on. So that was really the biggest thing for us was just, um, you know, to the, the kind of cash flow point, but then, you know, really looking at, okay, just stop everything until we know more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. Jenna. Yes. So I think for us, I guess just to back up a little bit and um, go back to what Jill said for us, like we, um, we have kind of a motto around the only thing constant is change. And I think that is applicable pre-COVID when you're running a DTC company and you just have to be super nimble and, and adaptable. Um, but definitely with COVID, like just, you know, putting our heads down and from a business standpoint, really working through what work from home looks like for our employees and, you know, reforecasting both sides of the business. We have a wholesale arm as well. Um, and then scenario planning um, around length of closure. You know, that was another big thing as it relates to cash flow and inventory. Um, and then more on the brand side of things, we, unfortunately, our seasonal theme for spring 20 was around travel. Um, so we immediately went into action and um, worked with a lot of our partners to say, okay, what makes sense for messaging for us? Um, because obviously we don't want to continue with this, this travel messaging. Um, so we were able to shift pretty quickly thanks to, you know, a great staff and, and um, kind of reworking some of the advertising messages as well as um, email and really scrubbing through every channel. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny, um, and thank you for sharing, all three of you. When when COVID hit, like literally, I was it was like 9 p.m. I was I was actually in Boca. This is like second week of March, um, and the first thing I see is like uh, an NBA player has coronavirus, and then like 15 minutes later, another NBA player has it. And I'm like, okay, and then like 15 minutes later, Tom Hanks, and then and then the NBA like NBA season gets canceled, and I'm like. <laughs> what is going on so i call my wife and she's like can you just come like tonight i was like hold on like i understand i'm coming tomorrow morning uh but it was just like one thing after another and in that moment you're just like is this real like is this like a week-long kind of pause is this like a month long but um there's just so much uncertainty um but uh, but i appreciate you you all sharing that i think that's that's really uh, it's important for us to make sure that the only constant um, that's that's going to happen in our business is change. Um, let's talk about today. We're almost two and a half months into this thing. Um, a lot has gone on. We're all, for the most part, working remotely um, and managing managing our remote respective businesses. All three of you are doing well um, and have figured out a way to crack the crack the code. Talk to us a little bit about um, how you, how you're doing today and how, what you're thinking about. We'll start with you, Jenna. Yeah, sure. So for us, um, 
Specific to messaging, I think that we gave it a lot of thought and what we saw from our a lot of our competitors was they immediately shifted to like, here, buy this, you can wear it working from home. And, you know, we're an outdoor brand and we just felt like that doesn't feel right for our customer and we want to be authentic and we're not just trying to drive sales. So we kind of took a step back and said, you know, what does make sense? And we wanted to position ourselves as like, hey, if you can get outside, like that's great for your health. Disconnect from media, disconnect from your phone, disconnect from digital. Um, and so we really shifted our, our messaging in that capacity. Um, and then the other thing we did is, is we took a little bit of a calculated risk and we didn't pull back on our advertising efforts like a lot of other brands did. Um, you know, we strategically decided to, to push in paid social. We pushed in podcast. And, um, you know, what's what's kind of been a blessing in disguise is, is people are on their phones and people are listening to podcasts because they're at home and they don't have as much to do. And so we really were seeing positive results across the board um, almost from the get-go. I mean, I joked with our finance manager, I think I reforecasted April like four times, um, but we've seen really, really nice results. And I think that, um, you know, taking some of those, those risks really paid off for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Tam, um, talk to us a little bit about kind of where your headspace is at right now. Yeah, so similarly, you know, definitely changed our messaging very, very quickly, had a lot more value to our customers, more like community building more than anything. People come to us because like the scent and the color and the textures like just give them joy. And so we really just kept focusing back on that joy. Um, and we got just great responses there. Um, you know, I think that the biggest thing on my mind right now is if you think of this cohort for us, it's actually bigger than our Q4 2019 holiday cohort. So really looking at retaining them, how can we meet their expectations moving forward? Um, you know, that, that's a big thing in my mind and, and something Fahim, you and I have talked about a lot. And like Jenna, we didn't really slow down. We slowed down obviously on out of home and, and airplane advertising. Um, but for digital, we're really pushing into that. But what we're looking at now is like, that audience arbitrage to build audiences outside of our, our like standard in-market beauty audiences. We're buying into travel, we're buying into different areas where it is a little cheaper. Um, we're doing a lot of rapid test and learning uh, with our creative while the costs are still pretty low for us so that like we're ready to go with really efficient creative and audiences once those media costs go back up, which, you know, honestly, we're starting to see that a little bit already. Um, and the other thing on my mind a lot is just like capitalizing on the behaviors that are likely to change from our, for our customers. And in beauty, one of the things we're seeing is like that bulk buy, that automatic replenishment buying. Um, people are coming to mono brands versus the multi-brand retailer. So just how are we like really paying attention to the behaviors that are changing for our consumers right now? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Jill, you probably have um, a ton of stories that you can share in terms of how people are actually spending time at home, particularly quality time and really looking to digitize um, their past. But talk to us a little bit about where your headspace is right now. Yeah, I mean, I was going to echo a lot of what Jenna and Tam already shared. I think the first thing that we did was we went and looked at, we, we essentially tried to have a good pulse on our customer and so audited where they were and tried to meet them there with our messaging. And so, um, as I'm sure you guys are, you know, sensing too, a lot of people are feeling disconnected. They're looking for ways to stay in touch with those that they love, friends and family. 
and legacy box is uniquely positioned to help them do that and that you're preserving your family's legacy and you can have these digital viewing parties from all across the country um and so we really leaned into this at home messaging you know being able to connect with loved ones also i think jenna or tam you mentioned earlier that you've been going through and cleaning your house um yes <laughs> yeah, so that's a consistent behavior with our customers too and they're like me stress cleaning all their closets and finding the bins and boxes of old home movies and photos that they don't know what to do with um and so we're really trying to meet them where they're at and make sure that our our creative um, kind of leans into those themes and and that's really served us well over the last several weeks um and i think too which both jenna and tam already touched on like trying to use this as as a time to to find opportunities um, so looking at the channels that do have reduced costs, like how can we test more efficiently? How can we use this as a time to, you know, kind of raise our core media um, because we can get media buys for cheap? And that's really served us well, too. I think that um, our hope is to emerge from this stronger by being really smart because we are seeing an increase in traffic and buying behaviors. So um, you know, what are we learning right now? How are we ensuring that we're going to walk away from this with really clear insights that we can use through the end of this year, if not, you know, for the rest of the company's lifetime? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it sounds like the common denominator here is being culturally relevant, right? And, and thinking about creative and messaging. Um, you know, something else that's, uh, that I know all of us are thinking about is the cohort analysis, right? Like, what is the lifetime value of these cohorts over the you know, over the coming months or so. Um, you know, we don't know what the future looks like right now. It, 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 there's, there's a lot that's kind of uh, in motion. From your frame of reference, where the three of you are sitting, um, how would you, how are you thinking about the next six to 12 months um, in your business, in your category? And if you have a, a POV on macro, uh, I'd love for us to hear that. Uh, Tam, we'll start with you. Well, we're hoping that holiday will be very strong. Like I said, this this cohort for, for March and April was actually much bigger than, than our holiday cohorts. So looking at bringing those, those people back in. Um, you know, I think for us overall, we are feeling like e-commerce is up. We think it'll stay up. We think a lot of those behaviors will stay there. Um, you know, six to 12 months, not knowing what the economy will do. I think it's really just about working with the customers that we've brought in, like I said, maximizing like any sort of gains we can make right now. Um, and, and really looking at shoring up, what, you know, I think what we're doing is we're scaling our e-commerce business. You know, maybe what we thought we'd be doing 18 months from now, 12 months from now, we're doing it now. So whether that's software, whether that's personalization, it's, it's still a pretty young business. It's only about a year and a half old. So, just getting all those things, all that foundational work done now so we can scale. Um, I think that's a, that's a lot of what we're doing. Nice, nice. Um, Jill, how, how about you in terms of the future of Legacy Box and, and uh, just broadly speaking, the future of e-commerce from your frame of reference? Yeah, I mean, I think for us right now, you know, the future is still relatively unknown. And so we're just trying to ride this wave as long as we possibly can. Um, and ensure that we walk away with some really clear insights to make us better marketers and business operators moving forward. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's our big focus, at least in terms of forward thinking. I think we're still, we're no longer operating on a day-to-day -day level. We've <laughs> advanced to a month-to-month -month level. So, you know, we're still kind of 
working on what May's numbers are going to look like. I think there's still a range that we're hoping to stay within. Um, and I think that'll probably continue for the next couple of months too, just because we're not sure when or how things are going to shift. So we want to continue to be dynamic. The one thing I love about you, Nick and Adam, is just the level of agility and nimbleness that the organization still has in its DNA. It's remarkable. Um, yeah. Though yeah. You've grown exponentially, it's it's still wonderful to see. Yeah, I think you know that's really like who we are as a company, like to our core. I think a lot of that comes from growing the business in the digital marketing space where you're checking the metrics daily and if something hourly. is off, you're, yeah, okay, so hourly. <laughs> and if something is off, you're reacting. And I think the ability to apply that mindset to other places within the company has served us really well over the years. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Jenna, how about you? Yeah, so we're in an interesting um, uh situation right now where we actually have to, to pre-book our styles out about six or seven months um, just because we have custom material blends and it takes that long to um, to produce and, and get to us. And so right now we're, we're thinking long and hard about what holiday could look like, um, you know, looking back at our original projections and then looking at the um, volume increases that we've had, even just an email, um, you know, new subscribers over the last couple months and saying, you know, typically holidays, that time frame where you can really cash in on your customers and um, be able to drive a lot of retention business. Um, so how big could it be versus guys, let's be um, somewhat conservative knowing that there's a lot going on with our economy right now. And from a macro perspective, there's just factors that are out of our control. Um, so the way we're really looking at it is, how can we be ready, but also ensure that we're um, being safe with what we're bringing in? So instead of taking risk on a lot of like new product that hasn't been proven and tested in the marketplace, it's how can we lean into our best sellers that we know our customer is going to love? And even if we don't sell it all through the holiday, like it's going to sell spring next year. Um, so just trying to to weigh out a few different scenarios there, but I, I think we've landed in a pretty good place as we look, you know, six, 12 months out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, I think what's really interesting is, you know, e-commerce is projected to be almost 30% of all retail, U.S. retail sales this year. Last year, I think it was like 13%. Um, and so projections, early projections are saying that U.S. retail is on track to do $4.8 trillion or some long, large number, uh, which is almost a 20% reduction compression from last year, right? So uh, we're, we're going backwards, not forward, but e-commerce is going, has taken a, a, a step function in the right direction. Um, and, and I think all four of us agree that it's, it's likely here to stay um, as, as the infrastructure for retail has to be completely reassessed, um, even, even outside of the quarantine period. Um, you know, something that, that's been very much top of mind for me is we very, all of us very casually use the word DDC, right? Direct to consumer. I, I, I think, and I know from a lot of the conversations that I'm having is DDC is not a strategy anymore, right? It is a distribution methodology. The, the one thing the three of you do really well is focus, um, intensely on the customer and building a journey around that customer, which lends itself into more brand building conversations and not just performance marketing. So talk to us a little bit about um, how uh, the three of you are, are thinking about brand building in the midst of COVID, that it's more than just a transaction, that it's a relationship that you're building with your customers for today and tomorrow, 
Um, so talk to us a little bit about that. Um, Jill, why don't we start with you and then we'll go to Tam and Jenna. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting, actually, our two founders, Nick and Adam, one of the last departments that they ever delegated was customer service because that truly is how we built the business in the early days. We had a really good pulse on how they were feeling, what how they were reacting to our product, what features maybe we'd missed that we needed to explore. Um, and so I, I think that mindset still is present today. And it's something that was really important, especially with the pandemic outbreak. So our customer service team um, is currently working from home, um, but they're part of those, you know, regular weekly check-ins where we're talking about inbound volume. We're trying to get a sense of, you know, how are our ticket topics changing? Like, what are people asking about? Are those trends different than they were last week? Do we need to preempt any of those questions? Do we need to talk about, you know, coronavirus and how it's impacting our production facility? Um, even down to monitoring the, the comments on our Facebook ads. Um, and that's honestly informed a lot of our marketing messaging. Oftentimes, our best marketing ideas actually come from the customer and things that they're sharing with us in okay. reviews um, through our customer service team. And we're like, wow, that's a really great nugget. Like, how can we turn that into a campaign or, you know, an email or a Facebook ad? Um, and I think that's been more important now. And we've as I said, we've been trying to be really dynamic and part of that is like rapidly testing and getting those nuggets from our customers as quickly as possible so that we can continue optimizing how we're communicating with them right now. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for sharing, Tam. Very similar um, in that we, you know, we're always listening to the consumer. Um, we definitely on the, on the brand side, our, our consumer engagement is huge. Our events used to be huge. So we're looking at bringing a lot of the mentality of the events, more of that two-way conversation to social. We just started on TikTok. Um, it's, it's a very kind of party brand in a way. So really bringing that energy to people. And we just constantly hear like, you know, even a fragrance, they'll say like, oh, I bought your perfume and I feel like I'm on the beach. And, and so it's really transporting people um, the business itself, we did have this idea of travel and like travel and seasonality was a huge part of our business and part of our brand story. Um, obviously that that can't happen in, in you know real life. So we're bringing that really virtually now. Um, and we're just, we're getting a great response from, from the consumer and from our community. Um, I would say the other thing we're doing that that's kind of straddles the D2C and brand side of things is um, really trying to get the product out into people's hands as much as possible. So how do we make them experience it? Whether it's, you know, through kind of really rich content with influencers where they're like showing it, where we're actually just um, kicked off a sales ambassador program where we're having people um, do more like video selling for us. So they're experiencing the product and walking people through the product, why they love it, um, which is, you know, it will eventually be part of our customer care strategy. Um, right now we're working with influencers. So really just that sense of like, how do we bring the, the kind of all five senses that you can experience of the brand when you, when you pick up the product, how do we bring that to a virtual world? So that's something we're really thinking about now. That's awesome. Um, Jenna. Yeah. So a couple of things on our end, um, we have been busy curating really great content for our customers. So it's not just about like, hey, here's a new product, you should buy it. But it's, um, you know, free flight, we look at it as a lifestyle. So like our brand team has been doing, you know, Instagram stories with ambassadors teaching you how to 
cast a fly and you know doing email roundups of interesting articles that we found so trying to just lean into the human side and the authentic side um, another thing that we've been doing is our customer service team they have not only do we have like top customers, but they also have customers that reach out all the time that they've almost like formed a relationship with. So we actually took the lead and um, when everything broke out with COVID, we reached out to them just to like check in and see how they were doing. Um, and I think that was was meaningful. Um, and then the last thing that we that we did uh, just recently is we, we have a product that's called a sun mask um, and it's actually made out of our bamboo fabric and it's like a tubular piece of fabric that you um, can use to cover up your face for sun protection. Um, but it could also be used as like a non-medical face mask. So um, we, we jumped on things um, when COVID hit with our uh, development team and we were able to quickly turn around about 6,000 units. Uh, bring those in and then instead of selling them on our site, which a lot of, of companies are doing, we wanted to just offer them to our customers. So we sent an email out and um, just offered those as kind of like a surprise and delight as well as just a thank you for your support. Um, so, you know, that was something that we just felt like was the right thing to do. We didn't do it for, you know, the marketing or the PR, but um, we do really want to focus on on building a long-term relationship with with these folks and um, not just the short-term gains yeah absolutely and I think I think that's I can I can attest to that for the three of you it's always been about the customer um, and building a journey put the customer in the middle build a journey around them service them the right way um, because ultimately that's what that's how you build a successful brand and that's how you create a moat for the business as well um, I'd love to love to start like focusing for each category, each of you separately. Um, Tam, I'd love to, I know you have a lot on your plate from marketing and operations to analytics and growth, but you also oversee product innovation. Um, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, in the midst of COVID when everyone's kind of pulling back, you're still finding ways to play offense. Um, yeah. and, and so talk to us a little bit about how you're thinking about product innovation in the midst of all of this. Yeah, so, so right, so I started in August um, one of the first things I did when I came in was say, hey, this is a $45 body cream and we know a recession is coming. What do we have that's recession proof? So I put um, a few recession proof SKUs uh, on the development calendar. Um, so that was good thinking ahead of time. <laughs> um, Who thought that we'd be in the situation we're in? I know it came, it came about six months earlier than I thought it was coming, but, and in a different way, but it was, the signs were clear. We were going to have a recession. Um, so that was one thing we had, you know, just really getting trial sizes, getting a lot of body fragrance mists, lower price points, thinking about the idea that, you know, a, a body cream is something that might come out of a basket very early on, um, if there was economic pressure. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing is now, you know, once COVID hit, we looked at uh, developing a, a hand care category. We launched, um, hand sanitizer, um, with ongoing 10,000 unit donations to healthcare professionals, um, moving forward, we just did our first one on Friday. So looking at that again, like, um, you know, staying kind of in tune with, with the customer and, and with the brand ethos, um, but giving people something they need and a product that we can really feel good about and stand behind. Um, and that works really well with our brand DNA overall. Um, so on a product side, that's really, you know, we, we've taken a look, we really have kind of gone through our calendar quite a few times and moved things around. Like, does it make sense? Like really thinking about 
the next really 18 months um, and looking at, at our portfolio strategy. And like I said, opening up into a category that we, th we thought about, but we weren't, it wasn't like an immediate, um, you know, we thought maybe 2022 will go into hand care. Uh, and so that we really just fast tracked quite a few things, um, you know, both from that lower skew price point side and then from the hand care side. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, um, stuff that, you know, we were supposed to see over the next two to five years, uh, we've kind of compressed it in a 10 week yeah. Uh, window. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jill, you know, forecasting is such a challenge right now in our business, particularly as we think about the media mix modeling. And I know that, you know, obviously you, you're overseeing uh, marketing. Talk to us a little bit about levers you're pulling across the diverse marketing mix that's activated for, for Legacy Box. And how do you, what's your framework for even thinking about where to invest, where to pull back, and so on and so forth? Yeah. Um, I would say we go channel by channel. Um, and then, well, first I would say we start looking at the whole marketing mix and we say, okay, looking at performance across all of these, where do we think there's room to grow? Essentially like going, okay, here's our, our number one marketing channel. Here's number two, here's number three, just in terms of performance. And typically we'll start with the number one that's driving the greatest efficiencies. And we'll say, okay, has this channel already been tapped out? Is there room to scale? Um, and if so, we'll look at a plan to go ahead and do that. And then we just go from one to two to three all the way down. Um, and then once we've kind of modeled that holistic plan, we'll take a step back and say, okay, do we, do we like this? Do we like where these channels fell? Do we feel comfortable with this overall ad spend? Does it track with what we think, where we think we're going to land in terms of sales for the month? Um, but I would say in the midst of COVID, you know, as Tam mentioned earlier, a lot of the inventory was cheaper across several of the different channels that we are, were previously advertising on. And so a lot of it was having a good relationship with those partners that manage those channels um, and asking them to say, hey, if there are opportunities, let us know. If there previously was you know, a vertical that was maybe cost prohibitive for us, but now is running at 50% off, like let us know, we wanna test that, let's get some data. And then when things you know, right size, we can say, does it make sense for us to continue on this channel, but at least let's take advantage of that opportunity while it's here. Um, yes. That was really how we were thinking about it. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing. Jenna, on your end, as we think about forecasting the, the, the broader business, right, across beyond just marketing, but like supply chain, you talked about merchandising challenges. Um, what's the dialogue, um, you know, internally at a high level? Like, how are you, Austin Tanner, how are you guys thinking about uh, forecasting uh, for the next, you know, for the remaining of 2020? Yeah, I mean, we, there's so many unknown factors like now more than ever. So we're really just scenario planning. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we have at any given time, three scenarios in place. And I think we're, we're optimistic, but we're also, you know, planning things like cash flow very conservatively just to make sure that, um, you know, we feel like we can, you know, stay above water, keep the lights on, all of those things. Um, but it also gives us an opportunity to stay nimble and be able to push when we wanna get up to those aggressive plans where you know we've been the last month or two um, to have a plan in place to really go after it and act fast. Got it, got it. Um, I think we're all feeling that to some extent where you know, I feel like um, every day feels like a week right now. Um, and, and we're all trying to, trying to maneuver through, through the same challenges. Um, I'd love to pivot the conversation to managing a remote team and creating a, 
uh, a high performance culture. Obviously, the three of you are, are, are have done incredibly well in your careers and are managing a large organization. But talk to us a little bit about how uh, you are managing a remote team and program right now. Um, Jenna, we'll actually start with you first. Yeah, sure. So what's interesting is we did not have any sort of work from home policy before this started. So we were really big on like, we have a small headquartered office in downtown Charleston and we were really big on like creating a super collaborative environment. Um, and so we were a little nervous that this was gonna be a huge change for people and um, we're a really tight knit group and everyone loves to socialize. Um, so I'd say, A, I'm super proud of our team, you know, in hindsight, looking at the last two months, because they've adapted really well. Um, but some of the things that we're doing, um, we're trying to connect pretty consistently as, a, of course, in smaller departmental groups, but also as a full company. So we're connecting about every other day um, with, you know, different topics um, via Zoom. Uh, and we've also been able to bring in some external folks, which has been fun um, to, you know, help kind of motivate the team and challenge the team. Even like we brought in um, someone to give us some tips and tricks from working from home. Um, and I feel like that's been nice just to keep the, the spirits up. Um, we're also doing things like, um, you know, rewarding employees who've de like gone the extra mile and, and sending them an Uber Eats gift card. Um, we did the other, I think the week before last, we did a drive-through happy hour. So there's a restaurant nearby that has this awesome drink called a Game Changer and they just reopened. And so we did like a drive-through happy hour where we got a half gallon for for everyone on our staff and we had them drive through and pick it up. So we're just trying to like keep it fun and and Honestly, we don't have all the answers and we're adapting. And I think just being honest with our staff that like we're all doing the best we can and we appreciate you being nimble. Um, and we just can't take ourselves too seriously through this whole process. Like, but we're gonna, we're gonna get through it together and we wanna keep you guys updated on where we're at from a business standpoint um, because there's definitely a little bit of fear of, you know, my, I still have my job, like what's going to happen. And so visibility has, has been more important than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Over, over communicating, make sure that the team feels aligned and, and on the same path. Um, Tam, how about you? Some similar things. I've not gotten buckets of alcohol for anyone yet, but <laughs> yeah, get on it. I know. We're all pretty spread out. Maybe some like gift certificates. Um, we did do just a team mental health day. We just said today's, you know, Friday's off, no one work. Um, you know, obviously not, didn't go toward their PTO. So we did that a few weeks ago and people really appreciated that. Um, you know, one thing I am doing with some folks who are struggling a little bit more is just say, look, you redefine what would make you successful in this environment. Don't do what you think I want. Don't do what you think is the right thing to do as a professional. You tell, like, really take a day don't take it as time off and think about like, how can I be successful like with the situation that we're in? Um, and it's really helped. So I think this idea of everyone else is fine. Why can't I just be working the way everyone else is working? Some people just don't work like this. They're extreme extroverts or they need that interaction um, to really like do their best work. So I think like just giving them the, the empowerment to like, 
break down their concepts of what success is. It's like, look, we're, no one knows how to do anything here. You know, like, let's be real. Like, this is an, a whole new situation. You don't have to do what, what you think someone is expecting of you. Like, come back and tell me what will make you happy. Um, and I think that's, that's really helping a lot. That's awesome. Um, I love hearing that. Um, how, and when you say, how does that conversation go though? Like, do they come back with uh, kind of feedback points that they want to, that they want to bring to life? Like t talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So far, I mean, like so far that was actually where one of the ideas of doing like virtual events, um, because that was something that was really missing was that like one-to-one -one interaction with our customers. Um, you know, different hours, just like, I, I just can't work these hours. I need to work different hours. That's been one thing. Um, but yeah, I think overall, it just lets people think like to ask for things they wouldn't have thought of asking for. But, mm -hmm. you know, in our perspective, like we just want people to be happy and productive and it, that can take shape in, in a lot of different ways. Oh, I love that. Um, and everyone operates differently. So creating a safe space for them to first go through that exercise, share the feedback, and then obviously for the leadership team to activate that is wonderful. Um, Jill, uh, what, about, what about you guys? Yeah, so one of our values is building relationships. And I think for us, that's really been put to the test with everyone working from home because similar to Freefly, we didn't have much of a remote staff prior to the pandemic. We were kind of trying our hand at it at the beginning of the year as a way to broaden our talent pool. So we had three to four employees that were working remotely before all of this started. Um, and I think for me personally, working remote has been great because it's allowed me to empathize with our remote staff. And so I think for us, over communicating has been really critical. So we've tried lots of different things. They've definitely been awkward the first couple times, um, like virtual coffees, virtual happy hours. Um, we did a virtual lunch and learn with the team last week. I think just giving people the opportunity to join those events if they, you know, want to see a smiling face or want to connect with their coworkers, but ultimately like being flexible and empathizing with them because everyone's, you know, home is different. Everyone's work from home situation is different, whether you've got like kids running around in the background or, um, you know, if your significant other is there and you're kind of sharing the space. And so I think a lot of it has been keeping a good pulse on how they're doing and, you know, collaborating and brainstorming if something does feel off and saying, hey, have you tried this? Have you tried this? This is working for me. Um, and just being open to sharing not only what's working for me personally, but encouraging others to share what new habits are working well for them so that we can all learn from each other. Yeah. Uh, Jill, a follow-up there would be, because we're two and a half months into this and this thing can potentially go on for, for longer, how are you personally um, you know, thinking about your, your mental health and, and, uh, and managing your day and not just, you know, working 24 hours, right? Like, how do you talk to us a little bit about your day to day and how you are, uh, how you're managing through this whole thing? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been an evolving, uh, you know, approach, I would say like the first couple of days, I loved it. I loved having no distractions. I loved being able to just put my blinders on and work on what I wanted to work on. Um, but ultimately I started going a little bit stir crazy. I'm very much into routines. I like getting ready in the morning, hopping in the car, grabbing a coffee on the way. Um, and so for me, I think kind of redefining as Tam actually alluded to like what my ideal personally looks like. And so I've kind of doubled down into meditation, yoga. Um, I actually like revamped one of our back decks at our house. So it's like a little like Zen space with 
a comfy chair. I will do my yoga out there. There's plenty of space to roll out a couple of yoga mats. I have some plants. Um, and so for me, I think what I missed most about going into the office was just the different environment to kind of break up my day and break up my week and signify, okay, I'm home now, pivot to relaxing. Okay, I'm at work now. I need to focus and like knock out my tasks. And so being able to create some separate spaces in my house, I think has been absolutely critical to me <laughs> not losing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and do you have a separate home space, home office that you work in and, and, and kind of shuffle between? Okay. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah. I think change of scenery is mission critical. Um, yeah, you absolutely. know, um, and I think all three of you know me by now. I like to walk and talk and a lot of my meetings are standing meetings. <laughs> so I think, uh, people that aren't used to doing a ton of zoom, the first thing they do is hop on video. And so I have to request, I'm like, Hey, so I've been on five calls and it's uh, 10 a.m. So can I just not have video on for this one? <laughs> so just like requesting, requesting so that I can, I can walk because uh, that's how I get my juices flowing. And I can do that truthfully. The best thing about that is I can do that anywhere. I don't, it doesn't have to be inside the office or home. I can do it anywhere. So that's great. Um, Jenna, how about you? I mean, talk to us a little bit about, I know you have a beautiful family. And, and so how are you managing the work-life balance and integration? It's been tough. I will just be totally honest. I have two um, young boys, two ages two and four. So, um, you know, we luckily have a little bit of help with childcare, but um, just having my hands in a lot, I think that um, trying as best as possible to create boundaries, um, even if they're not always physical boundaries, but, you know, work time and then, you know, family time, um, I've also, I mean, Jill is like a gold star. I, I need to aspire to meditate and do yoga, but um, I think working out has been a big one for me as well. I've been um, biking a lot and awesome. getting outside is always super grounding. Um, so those are the couple of the things that I've been doing, but I would not say, I think I have a little ways to go. <laughs> I'm gonna continue oh. to work on what that looks like. We, we all do. I was so ambitious. Uh, about saying, you know, I'm going to work out every day in the midst of COVID. And I'm like, I got my head straight. And I think that lasted like four days. Um, and then, um, meditation has, has been wonderful though, uh, like five to 10 minutes a day. I've realized like, I think a lot of us are addicted to this thing, right? Like we're always on the phone, email, Slack, text. I mean, you're always, you should always plugged in. Um, and so just finding a way to, to disconnect. Um, so this, uh, this Sunday, I, I've told my wife, like, let's turn off our phones and we're just going to try to disconnect if we can. Uh, and, and we're calling it digital detox. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll report back to see how that goes. Um, Tam, how about you? Right, well, you, guys are, you guys are inspiring me. Thanks to Jill. I'm going to start doing yoga outside. <laughs> and neighbors can just deal with it. Yeah. Um, I love that. No, I, I have my, what I've found is that my, um, like my sleeping time has changed. So it, I, I'm waking up really, really early. Um, so I have been doing more like yoga, meditation, which is, has been really helpful and really good. Um, I've not been like walking or leaving the house as much as I should. So it, like, that's one thing I need to add in just like getting out into the world. So maybe my morning yoga outside <laughs> will help. Um, but yeah, other than that, the one thing I'm finding is like in the, I think the mornings feel fine for me, but in the evenings, it's like work and then sleep. It's, you know, I, I don't have children, so it's, there's no like in between there. It's just like nonstop. So that's, that's my next step is to figure out how I, how I decompress in the, in the evenings, maybe like another meditation. 
Yeah. Um, bike riding, jogging. I mean, something that yeah. like removes you from work because typically, I mean, at least I don't know how it is for, for uh, the three of you, but you know, literally work ends around like seven, seven thirty, And then I go straight into dinner and then maybe have like a quick conversation with my wife and then go straight back into work. And it just feels like there's no, like, um, I'm in a rhythm and that's great, but at some point, uh, that's not healthy. So, uh, something that I'm actually uh, thinking about doing is in the next uh, week or two, just taking a couple of days off. Um, I want people, whoever is listening, like, please take the time you need um, to recharge. Everyone's different. Some people need a day or two, others need longer. But um, I've just, I, I, I learned this back in the day in, in, in physics, like energy can't be created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. And so um, the concept of burnout is actually uh, very much perceived. It's not real. Uh, the burnout is a function of you just doing one thing for a long time and not transferring that energy somewhere else. So whether it's yoga, whether it's uh, meditation, whether it's, I don't know, cooking, whatever, just like transferring all this built up energy into something else um, just gets you, gets you fired up again. Um, I'm going to try to apply it in my life. I just, um, you know, I, advice that's been passed down to me. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple of questions. I know we have uh, seven minutes. So um, I would love, love to start with uh, the first one. Um, <clears throat> and this is any, any one of you or all of you can answer. How are you handling or looking toward hiring and onboarding um, during, during remote work? Um, what's the single biggest kind of process, innovation, positive change that's sort of been caused by COVID? Well, Fahim, you know, I just hired a director of e-com during this. I know, I know. So tell us, tell us yeah. a little bit about how that onboarding went or, uh, and, and kind of what are your lessons that came out of that conversation? Yeah, a lot of learning. Obviously, I've never onboarded anyone remotely. I, you know, honestly, even when in my past, when it was like, you know, we need to onboard someone to Japan, I would fly to Japan and, and do that there. So it, it's been very interesting. I've kept, like one of the biggest things I, is I really worked on a 90-day plan with her and we keep this running like long document of kind of the, the area of focus, like just the general thoughts. Every time we touch base, we like go through this 90 day plan. We really work on that in a strategic way together. Um, everything like much more than normal. Like I would say, I always really fall in the space of like, you know, kind of do something with the person you're training or you're onboarding once, have them do it once and then have them like train someone else once. Um, but that's become even more important. So like, she really understands the business, but making sure that like, I'm not just like throwing something her way, like four weeks in or three weeks in where it's like, Hey, can you do X, Y, Z? It's like, this is what I'd like to see. Let's do it together. Like the first time. And then really just making sure that I'm much more hands-on than I would maybe be, um, with a director. Like if we were just in person, um, just to make sure that like everything is very clear. Um, and I'm definitely getting on calls and like Slack screen share where you can like circle things and like write things on the screen um, far more because I think there is a lot of room when someone doesn't know you in person and they don't know like the nuances of like your voice or your Slack text. Like I think it's very, very difficult to like get that rapport going as, as much as you would in person. So it's been a lot of like kind of over explaining as much as I can and like making sure I get on a phone call or like backing things up. So yeah, no, the Slack thing is so perfect. Um, I think I, I, uh, I messaged someone and they just said, K and I said, is that, is that okay? 
<laughs> Did I say something wrong? <laughs> um, so no, I completely, I completely hear you. Um, Jill and Jenna, I'd love to hear from you as well on that topic. Yeah, I'm happy to jump in. Um, I think that I actually love hearing your advice, um, Tam, because we are we have two jobs posted right now, and we're trying to work through what onboarding looks like um, via Zoom. And where we're really leaning is we have to have our SOPs in place, and we have to have everything documented. We can't lean on you know the stop by the desk. Uh, and, you know, have a wayward conversation because that just doesn't happen uh, as, as much these days. Um, and things can get lost in Slack um, or even in email. So we're trying to create a lot of structure. Um, and then on the flip side, figure out how we can get them um, involved and meeting the team in more of an organic way, as organic as Zoom can be. That's, uh, yeah, that's wonderful. Uh, Jill, I mean, uh, Jenna, are you still doing one-on-ones on a weekly basis or what's sort of your one-on-one format right now? I am, yeah. I feel like it's almost more important to be doing them now. Um, and I, so I um, have been checking in with my team weekly uh, on my direct reports. And um, the focus that we've had is really um, the first 10 minutes are like, hey, how are you doing? Like, what can I do to support you? How's your, your team handling things? And then we jump into the business to-dos, but um, we put a lot more focus on um, just those like personal check-ins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Jill? Yeah, I mean, I think Jenna and Tam hit it all on the head. So I mostly am just gonna echo what they've already shared, but definitely having a really structured onboarding plan. We similarly also hired an e-commerce director and she started the beginning of April. So it's been interesting onboarding her remotely. Um, but I think just having really clear expectations and checking in weekly to say, okay, are we on track? Do you have questions on anything? Um, I think for us, the video conferencing apps have been so helpful. I honestly don't know how we would do this without them. So um, she's going to be, but all of our e-commerce uh, channel managers obviously are going to roll up to her. And so that was one of the reasons why we started a weekly marketing coffee. So it's just 30 minutes where we just chit chat, catch up on life. Um, and I think that was really critical for her, especially to start building rapport um, with her team. So yeah, yeah. over communicating. <laughs> over communicating, that's the name of the game. Um, yeah. Amazing. Uh, I know that I'm getting a few slacks from my team asking questions, but I know we don't have a ton of time. Uh, I just wanted to thank the three of you um, sincerely for taking the time. Um, I'm so proud of all the work that, that, that you all are doing for uh, your clients, your customers, uh, your team, and, and the broader organization. So um, let's you know, pedal to the metal. We're all in this together. Um, so just thank you sincerely for taking the time and um, uh, onward and upward. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Bye. Bye. Bye.